0: Welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Jason Bates, and this week we've got a very special Insights show that was recorded live at BBVA's Global Summit last month. Our very own Simon Taylor chaired a panel about the future of disruption alongside some fantastic guests from the industry. Let's hear from him now. Yeah, and and I'd like to bring up some guests thank you first of all for having me here in uh, BBVA's Open Talent Competition. (laughs) Uh, Wonderful to be here. Uh, You're going to get a little preview of our FinTech Insider Show. Normally we record this in a room by ourselves with some beers. So you guys are going to be my beer and alcohol. You guys are going to be my energy and my excitement and everything. And looking at the smiling faces, I'm feeling better than if I've had two beers. So thank you. We have got some amazing, amazing guests. Uh, First, I'm going to bring up Marco Wenthan, who is the co-founder at Solaris Bank. Marco, if you can join us. Hey, Marco. Uh, Next, we have Leanne Kemp from Everledger. Leanne, how are you? Good, good, good. And last, but by no means least, we have Eleanor from BBVA. Eleanor Alfaro, the Global Head of Data. Goal one for the home team. Uh, okay. Um, well, I could try and introduce you guys, but I think you will do a far better job. So, Marco, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and who Solaris Bank is?
1: Thanks, Simon. Um, thanks, first of all, for having me here. Um, my name is Marco Ventin, I'm a co-founder of Solaris Bank. Why do I do that? Because I'm driven by one fact, and that's been for over 25 years now, to, to change banking. I've been a banker for, for, for this time, um, built up a couple of uh, banks, a couple of uh, tech companies, and the last one is Solarisbank, uh, uh, which I built up uh, two years ago, It's just a very, very young company, the first actual banking as a platform, um, tech company with a full German banking license, and what we can actually do is help everybody in the digital space to become a bank.
0: Everybody in the digital space can become a bank with Solaris. I like the sounds of that. Marco, thank you very much. Uh, Leanne, do you want to take the floor?
2: Hello, everybody. It feels good to be home at BBVA. So, Everledger was discovered um, in 2015 in part with BBVA. We were the open talent winner in 2015, so it's nice to be back with friends. Everledger began um, using the very best of emerging technologies with blockchain and smart contracts and artificial intelligence to bring transparency to opaque supply chains. And we began in the diamond industry, tracking diamonds from the source of the mine to the market to bring a trust ledger to the world and plumb the sustainability rails to ensure that we have ethical trade. And we'll talk a little bit further about the global financial crisis that's sitting now at the heart of the diamond industry, particularly around banking.
0: Very cool. Leon, thank you so much. And Eleanor. last but by no means least. Tell us a little bit about what you do for BBVA, please.
3: Okay, So hello, everybody, and thank you uh, for having me here. Uh, So I actually have uh, two roles uh, in BBVA. One is uh, I lead all the open innovation uh, activities, basically thanks to a fantastic team like Marisol and all the others that uh, are all around. I I want to thank you from here. And then I also uh, lead the center of excellence in uh, data science and artificial intelligence in, uh, in the bank.
0: Wow. Yeah. Greedy. Two jobs. I do have to <laughs> How do you hold two all bosses. of that together? That's, that's, that's impressive. It's Very impressive. Okay, cool. So um, the title of our session is The Future of Banking. So we've got to think about where's banking today and what are some of its problems, I think, before we can address that. And Marco, you and I were talking before we came on stage about some of those key challenges. Do you want to just kind of recap that conversation for me? What do you think the big... Be- challenges right now, where are we and where do we need to get to? I think
1: in order to understand where we are standing today, just look, let's look uh, maybe ten years back um, and where have we been at this time and I'm not talking about the financial crisis of 2008, but I'm talking about the technology. Um, When we just look around what has happened in the last five to six years in in terms of technology, everybody is using handheld devices in a a, a way that, that exactly, so that that you don't actually need a computer anymore. uh, So many things have changed the way how we communicate, how we consume, how we interact with other people, with our friends, with with, uh, partners, etc. And um, there's one thing, and that's one of the biggest challenges which I see for banking, is that uh, it hasn't kept up as many other industries as well, hasn't kept up with the, with the, with the pace of the technological change. Now, um, it's not just about technology, but that's why I'm saying it's a, it's a change of customer behavior. They, 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 do some, they expect something from the banks, but the banks, in, the, in many cases, can't deliver just because of the uh, running out behind the technology. And this is, from my perspective, one of the largest uh, um, challenges we've seen, we are seeing, and... Um, and there's a whole bunch of things coming next to it in order to deal with that. The
0: customer expectation has changed because the device in which they interact with their day-to-day life has changed. And it's probably going to change again, as I think Derek and Carlos were saying in their opening session. So we'll come back to that. But Leanne, you said something interesting a second ago. You said that um, the global financial crisis has shaped us and you're now seeing that in your own industry. Explore that for me.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. You just talked about the fact that everyone has a device in their hand and it's really mobile-enabled, yet the diamond industry is 500 years in the making and largely the entire industry is still reliant upon a chit of paper, a handshake and a promise to pay. And it's no short of the headlines, particularly over the last year or two, the number of large banks that have pulled out considerably from the industry, the more recent being Standard Chartered, Um, and it's provided a $5 billion shortfall to the middle section of the market. So we're faced with a real problem, we're faced with a problem of trust. Um, But just like China had very little infrastructure upon which it could build a new digital banking uh, endeavour, the industry, of course, has this opportunity. So whilst it has a large challenge, um, we see it as a massive opportunity for change.
0: That uh, is a very shiny opportunity, without question. Uh, Let's hope. Let's hope. So... Eleanor, talk to me a little bit about uh, how you think about this when you look at open talent and when you look at data. BBVA, of course, has uh, has an open API marketplace. It has ha- been running open talent now for nine years. It seems to me like you've understood the the challenges. But when you look at um, the industry now, what do you see as the main problems and challenges that we're still wrestling with as the pace of change seems to get faster every day?
3: So. Uh I mean, there are many different aspects to, to your question, but I would focus maybe on, uh, on the speed of change. Mm-hmm. So basically what we see is that uh, we, we can see a lot of companies doing fantastic things outside, and uh, we call them to help us uh, learn from them, but then we are not in shape sometimes to, to, you know, to learn that fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we might be interested in something, but then our processes, our internal structure, don't let us uh, take the steps that we want to take. So I I see that the interest is there. I see some maturity in the fact that we are not that delighted by the idea and we are more focused on the execution part. But I think that still we need to be better in the way we absorb uh, the innovation that comes from uh, outside. And we're working on that.
0: I guess a lot of those processes that you talk about as well were built for a different era. They They were paper processes. They were analog processes. And for analog products being sold to analog clients, and trying to make those go faster is, is, is really, really hard. Um, and Leanne, you talked about the paper processes in the diamond industry having the same problem. It seems like that is the problem across the entire economy, is surely we're wrestling with these paper processes and trying to digitize them. But as a CEO of a startup, how do you think about executing quickly? What, what enables you to move, move quickly, and, and how do you think you can do that but still protect customers?
2: Um, it's simple, it's survival. <laughs> we can't, we can't not execute, we have to. Um, and for every minute that we're not executing and for every minute we're not working and walking towards a commercialization path, um, we, uh, we're at the threat, we're at the threat of our own survival. So we are motivated by surviving. <laughs>
0: Got to move fast, Marco. May
1: I weigh in on this one because you said a word which I don't like, which is digitizing. Yes. This is um, the 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 point is not digitizing analogous processes, but rather looking at the whole thing thing from a, from a more digital design perspective. So actually, first of all, question: What is the customer behind? What is the real solution? It's not uh, we as bankers we still think a little bit too much in in our categories that this customer is a, it's a, it's a, a consumer and this customer as a consumer gets a consumer lending and so on and so forth. But that's not the Lendings, point. exactly savings, so mortgage. The, 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 the world has changed in that, uh, in that perspective that the customer expects something entirely different. So you don't wake up in the morning and Ellen and I, we have had this chat and BBVA is, is very much on this track. And the, the customer doesn't wake up in the morning and say, okay, oh, today is the day I finally get my 10,000 euros loan. There's <laughs> nothing which you actually aspire to. But what you do do is that you say today is the, uh, the, the time when I actually purchase the house or the, the car which i 'm uh, looking forward to and and the, the the loan is nothing else than a means to an end, and this is what we as bankers have to understand that it's the customer. Everybody talks about customer centricity and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's buzzword bingo. Mm. But really to understand what is the, the context
0: behind what the customer really wants. The context is, is, is everything. Context is king. Um, my co-founder at 11FS, Jason, who, who may or may not be in the room, often talks about the difference between uh, digitizing paper processes and being truly digital. Yeah. And what does being truly digital mean And starting at the customer? I don't know, I'm sure you can give me some examples, though, of, of where you've had to start thinking that way and, and how working with data you can do that a lot more. You can see beyond the product line and see into the customer's lives. Can you give me some examples of, of where you've played with that and where you may be doing more of that in the future?
3: Yeah, so, uh, so basically data gives you the possibility to uh, personalize at scale. No? And that op- opens a complete new door to the services that we provide. So, of course, phase one has to be about uh, do-it-yourself and uh, digitizing what you were doing uh, at the branch. But the the next step, whenever you you can personalize in a digital way, you can start offering something that is like uh, transparent banking, in the sense that you can hide all the transactions uh, behind people's lives, which is what uh, matters to them. And For us, this has two main uh, goals. One would be focused on on relieving stress from people's lives, so giving peace of mind uh, to people so they don't have to take care of uh, the boring part of, of banking, and they can trust that everything is under control. And for instance, I, I at least personally would like something like a message per week saying, look, Elena, everything is all right, mm-hmm. as expected. Or just look at these two transactions that might not be okay. So we skip that part, and then we focus on uh, the real goals that this person has. But not, they are not financial goals, they are life goals. Yes. And, and we're delivering or developing products and our services in both a uh,
0: in both senses. So when you talk about life goals, give me an example of somebody's life goal and, th- again, to quote Jason, um, he often talks about open banking not about being, not being about banking and not being about APIs, but being about those end-to-end customer journeys. You mentioned that I don't think you, I want a loan, you think I would like a car. Are you modelling those sorts of behaviours and are you thinking about who the partners are in those end-to-end journeys?
3: Yeah. So, so sometimes we tend to think of uh, life events are the crucial things to, to be taken care of, which is true, for instance, when you buy a house, you want the house, mm. and it's a pain, everything that you have to do. So we are trying to, you know, to extend the experience of getting a mortgage, which is part of it, to the whole uh, home buying process, and we have several pieces already delivered, like, for instance, now you can uh, go uh, in Spain and tune in other countries, you can go and search for uh, house prices that are uh, uh, available in the market, so you can have that. Uh, and then we will extend that also to the management of, of the whole uh, uh, buying process. But you can also take that to daily uh, events like uh, shopping or, or whatever, you know, a- everything that you want to do with money on a daily basis, you can help uh, there and not focus only on the, on the payment, on the transaction, but also on the, on the whole thing. For instance, when you buy, we could recommend places to discover or the best uh, deals, uh, etc.
0: Very cool.
2: The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full perspective, turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription.
0: Fintech innovation is changing the way we bank. And the speed we deploy new customer experiences is vital. Onboarding the right fintech partners can take months. Do you have time to lose? Introducing the Innovation Acceleration Platform from Temenos. Test fintech solutions at speed with real data straight from the core banking system. With a yearly subscription, you can begin testing the same day and create new customer experiences in no time. For more details, visit marketplace.temenos.com. A moment ago, Eleanor said this word that stuck in my mind, which to enable that, you need the transparency of what's happening uh, with customers, and they need to feel empowered that that transparency isn't being overreached in some way. This is a concept I'm sure you're pretty close to. How have you thought about that when you're dealing with a complex industry like diamonds and uh, complex sets of ownership? You've got to balance that privacy, and wanting to have my own privacy, but the value that data about a customer can really bring. What, what do you, how do you f- tread that line?
2: So I guess the industry at large, whether it be banking or insurance, really looks through an optics of risk and they've typically looked at the relationship with the risk portfolio with the customer. So KYC, of course, is a very large term that's been used and is core to, to the financial services industry. But we sort of looked at it in a different way and we said, look, if we could uniquely identify gemstones or diamonds or objects of value, art, wine, watches, collectibles, things that are dumb but expensive, and considered it from the lens of know your object, K-Y-O, instead of a know your customer, and bring the marriage of those two things together, the risk associated with whether that be a piece of property or whether that be a diamond of course, gives the transparency needed to be able to underpin the transaction itself. Now, the diamond industry has a further set of complications. Um, But of course, we've seen governments around the world, whether that be in Britain or Australia, start to understand that the sourcing of minerals or gemstones, um, even rare metals extrusions, is hugely important because it's mother's earth's assets. So we have issues in terms of sustainability and ethical supply chains, and no longer is it appropriate for a large corporation, whether that be Apple or large companies at large, to not know your supplier or your supplier's supplier. <laughs> so this is now starting to become baked in legislation. It's a hugely complex field, Um, But, at the very core of blockchain, if you start to peel back the technical layers, we have some of the most transformative technologies of our time coming together and converging. So there is now no longer a reason why we aren't able to provide digital twins of objects, houses, um, autonomous cars, and understand that object at a level where the financier, penultimately, is financing the object. Um, through the eyes or the lending vehicle of a person. So KYO is something that I think is going to be on the lips.
0: So know the objects, know the person, know the rules around them and know their tolerances of what they're happy with and what they aren't and bake that into your processes and really rethink your processes are what I'm hearing as, as kind of key, key learnings from that.
2: And the biggest takeaway, we've worked in very, very deep senses of cryptography. And we're starting to see governments understand the threat associated with cyber. And privacy-preserving mechanisms that are hugely important to our own personal data and the control or the utilisation of that data or the provenance of the data of me is actually something that is core to this, Um, beyond just saying it's the data that is viewing out of the car to tell you how fast it's travelling, or that I'm speeding and so therefore my insurer knows that I'm a huge risk to myself on the road, let alone others. So the combination of that coming together cannot really be delivered in a true sense without the core sort of functions of these new technologies.
0: So I like to think about a bank as the place that not only lends, but that looks after the things that are most important to me. And in the digital age, what is more important to me than my identity? who I am and my data. Uh, Marco, how do you balance that? You've built a platform with a banking license. You have other people using that platform. You obviously have a fiduciary responsibility there to make sure that people are protecting that. And and where do people play a role in your organization? because you've been very much um, bank as a platform. Yeah. What's the future of humans? What's the competitive advantage of a human working for a bank in the next five to 10 years if the platform has to manage data and security? What, what are all the humans doing? How much time you forget? Uh, <laughs> um. uh, 15 minutes and 43 seconds. <laughs> okay, But you can't um, have all of it.
1: Right. Um, now let's 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 uh, try to split your question in a couple of uh, uh, sub questions. First of all, um, uh, what what's about the data, right? And Ellen and I, we were talking about it. First of all, um, customer data already implies who the, the data belonged to. Right, it's the customer, and it's not the bank or the company which is dealing with the, with the data in the first Zeros. place. Right, so this is um, from this perspective, uh, we have obviously exactly that uh, that um, uh, that risk to take, as well as the um, the this um, the obligation to make sure that the customer can have this data and can be. Um, do, can be doing something with his data, right? And this is um, by, by bringing in artificial intelligence and all those things which we have, not using them ourselves, but rather put the customer in a position that he uses themselves. Basically, um, and I like this idea with, of, of Madiva, um, of BBVA, basically uh, you have such a transparency with the houses, etc., that is an embedded process in our every, everyday lives, and uh, the financing becomes almost completely invisible. And what is this consisted of? entirely of data. And the data which are being used by the customer and the customer gives us or BBVA or other companies a a certain let's say, sets of, uh, of rules in which we can actually They act. give you a mandate almost. They, guess, uh, they give us a mandate to, to, to help them do something, mm-hmm. and not the other way around.
0: Because they don't want to be managing right. a million checkboxes. Exactly. And yet, could you imagine the user experience of like every time somebody comes and asks you for a bit of Absolutely. data, would you like that? Like, I get scared enough when a new app asks me for 15 permissions, yes. never mind my bank asking me every two minutes. Right. But And, this is, and that's where, the, the, um, where we see where the banking is going going,
1: um, From our perspective, completely invisible. That's um, it's it's not about banks anymore, but it's about the actual transaction, and that's why what I like about this uh, this this whole approach of uh, contextual banking. That's um, and best explained it is with a with the Uber experience, right? When you when um, Uber has has has, has, uh, uh, has got to a point where you actually say, I want to get from A to B right? And uh, I can see the driver. And when I was in Argentina the other day, it's, um, it's, it's a country which is not known for its safety on the streets, right? This is, um, you have to be careful, especially as a gringo, my, as myself. And um, I, I used to live in Argentina for many years, so I know a little bit of, of this country. But the point is, um, I, I get the Uber driver, I know what car this is, I know the, the person, etc. I see the, the rating, and then he brings me from A to B, and I get out, and I don't have to do anything anymore. It's... There are so many processes running behind, but what was my uh, core purpose was from getting from A to B and nothing interfered.
0: Everything's designed around that purpose. Exactly. Eleanor, I want to pick up a point I I mentioned a moment ago, though, is is if the bank is getting out of your way, if it's just disappearing into the background, there might not even be a glass interface, as Derek was saying earlier, it's completely disappeared into the background. What are all the humans doing? Is there creativity? Is there empathy? And, And how does that play into those experiences?
3: So, you're talking about her? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, her? Yeah, yeah. So, the thing is that, to me, it's not that important that the interface is a, a glass or is a voice. I mean, this will be whatever it has to be. The important thing is that the intelligence you are providing to people and how useful you are. Mm-hmm. So, the other day I was thinking of this and I, I was thinking of uh, even having this, do you remember Clippy? the Microsoft uh, Word uh, small thing, that is, this is Clippy. the first bot
0: bless uh, we ever
3: interacted with. And I, I prefer Clippy with a couple of two good advices than uh, Samantha from her telling me, uh, buy this uh, pension fund because it's December. Yeah, you know, I mean, to, to be
0: extreme. It, it's, so yeah. to me,
3: it's, it's more what is the intelligence that you put behind and how easy is the interaction, how is the experience, and how useful more than if uh, the interaction is on voice or on, on whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was speaking to somebody at a wealth bank a couple of days ago, and they said when they did surveyed their customers, the thing that they found was more often than not what they were calling a call center for, the number one reason was, tell me I've done it right just reassure me that everything's going to be okay. It doesn't matter that the computer or the machine said it. I want a person to tell me that it's going to be okay. And that empathy, I think, probably still has a role in the future.
3: Yeah, but I think that we have to build on that. Uh, Because we we cannot just jump from something that is... uh, These people are here just to sell me stuff and jump to something like, uh, uh, you know, I can trust this uh, to run my account automatically. There is a path, a learning path that we have to take with the with the customers, and we, will ha- we have to start with small things that prove that what we are telling you is in your own interest, mm-hmm. uh, instead of you just trying to trust. jump, and, and we have to iterate a lot on this, so we learn and they learn how to interact with machines, because the, the thing is that if we really want to give personalized, truly personalized services, this has to be done through machine learning,
0: so I not by if, humans. So. so I wonder if, historically, humans were doing machine-like process transactional work and we're trying to expect machines to do the emotional work, whereas actually we had that backwards. The machines can do all of the transactional things for us, and then we can put a human face at the beginning of it. Leanne, you work in a very business-to-business context. You deal with people all the time, especially in corporate world and the SME world. People still buy from people. Where does the machine really create the experience, and and how do those two come together, do you think? Do do you think that uh, it's going to be crucial for the diamond industry to still be built? on people in 10 years and do you think certification helps?
2: The, The industry has been predicated from day one on relationships and you are right, people do business with people and I don't think that that will change. It would be a shame for society at large if we lost connection with feeling, emotion and purpose and endeavouring. So I think as technical leaders and corporations around the world, we need to be sure that that important element of human interaction remains centric to all decisions that we make in terms of this new forms of technology.
0: So we've got new forms of technology, you you do a lot with trust. You do a lot with helping people believe that what the technology is telling me is true. We've talked a little bit about data. We've talked a little bit about identity. How does, how, do you see that coming together? If I've got this trust or the provenance in something, I, can I build a reputation around it? Can I, what can I do? What's new?
2: So typically, um, our industry's really resided on on experts, gemologists, um, that have a particular skill set to identify diamonds, and. Over the course of the last sort of 30 or 40 odd years, there's been an evolution of both the stones themselves. So in the 1930s, GE created synthetic diamonds, mostly for the purposes of blade saws and drill bits. But in the last 10 years, we've seen a massive explosion of new forms of technology enabling synthetic diamonds to be gem quality standards. And now there is a concern and a confusion within the industry on two levels. Firstly, are those synthetic stones, and unfortunately they have been, swapped out in terms of peppering the supply chain. So how do we provide enough level of technology and assurance and visibility over the pipeline to be able to ensure that that diamond that was mined is the one that's being sold to you in the retail outlet and has full disclosure?
0: I think that's a really interesting point. How do I prove that to you? Yeah. And especially in your industry, and, and I guess much like where banking's going, the glass will disappear. Eleanor, do you think about there are things that you can do with data in, in an open banking world, in an open ecosystem in which there are many partners that might not carry the BBVA brand and the BBVA experience but you are there behind the scenes. Do you think that data gives you an advantage if you truly understand?
2: We, we see ourselves as the intel inside for the industry, position ourselves very clearly in that, in that respect to enable the right set of tooling to provide a coevolution of that industry at large. And it can't be done without, without data. We eat data for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Everything mm-hmm. is about data and the interpretation of that. But more importantly, it's the marriage of still experts in-field and in-market and it's the fine balance between man and machine and the ability not only to identify the machine that does the scanning, but is that machine held with integrity? Has it been calibrated correctly? Is that machine of health? Mm. So this sort of fine line between the explosion of IoT and the marriage and is still a need for deep, deep, deep-seated industry experts.
0: So I wanna pose the question to Eleanor now. What is the future of banking? We've talked about data. We've talked about some of the challenges with the customer expectations changing. Where do you see the future going and, and uh, what's the customer doing in five, 10 years? What, what's new? <laughs>
3: <laughs> so my experience tells me that my, that my predictions fail so <laughs> uh, no I mean it's basically what we 've been uh, talking about the whole morning, so it's trying to make uh, banking really uh, most useful, and for, for that we 're going to be have to use all the data, not only probably banking data, in order to give truly uh, personalized services so, because for instance what what can be done today with uh, data in terms of uh, picture recognition, so you get a bunch of pixels and you can identify what is in the picture, this is something that we, today we are not able to do with banking transactions yet. So whenever we can take a transaction for any of you and draw the picture of yourself, then we will start uh, giving this type of really personalised uh, and useful stuff. And we are not there yet. We will. Uh, well, uh, in the following
0: years. In KFC in China, you can walk in and uh, at a kiosk, you can select what food you want and your face recognizes it immediately and you can just walk straight away. Um, you don't even need to get your phone out of your pocket and I think that sort of stuff will happen. Another great example I heard is that uh, a lot of organizations are using satellite imaging. Satellite imaging is now so cheap and machine learning is now so cheap that they can see where car parks are empty or full for which retail stores are Going to do well, and, and how they're going to invest. Which fields are good doing well this year for uh, risk and um, for lending to farmers and so on. Um, we're, we're staring into an interesting world, Marco. Where, where do you see us going? Um, I think th- th- there's, there's so much going on that, that, that you can't even start to
1: begin where it's going. And I think anybody who says he has a clear clue of which direction this is going, I think it's uh, essentially wrong, because uh, tomorrow might be completely different. Just just look at... Uh, we've t- uh, been talking about blockchain now for many, many years, uh, but uh, still to see the uh, big breakthrough. But once this happens, uh, it will yet again be a completely different different game. So. If, um, as, as, as a lack of um, of looking into the future and then seeing which direction you can go, the only thing what you can do is actually prepare yourself for that. What does that mean? To be to be uh, always on the watch. What's what's going on? Being adapted uh, adept to what's what's going on in in the with your clientele, with your with your I don't know with your investors, with your friends, etc. And um, and how do you make that? Certainly not by by having, I don't know, innovation labs, because innovation labs are are kind of... um close environments which are not connected to the outside world. So what, what, what is much better uh, to, to shape the future of banking is actually getting things out, test them in the market, even if they are substandard. Okay, there will be in the first iteration. Uh, when you just look at um, how the, the social commerce has evolved, everybody brings out alpha products, right? Alpha, alpha A, uh, alpha one, two, three, four versions. You have to try that out. And what works, fail fast, try it again, Get something else, else So, what
0: you're saying is prioritize action over planning, prioritize oh, learning. Absolutely, yeah. Execution is everything. And, and what are your tips for executing successfully? You've run a startup now, it's 100 people, yeah. you've, you've grown, you've executed.
1: That, that's the point. You have, uh, there's, there's a balance, obviously. You have to make a certain planning process in order to actually see where you're going. But when you're just um, you know, from a startup world, and I've start, uh, started a couple of companies, so uh, you see when you attend a little bit to, to the chaos side and don't plan anything, in, in many cases it doesn't work out either. So I think it's, it's very important to have a game plan plan, mm-hmm. but don't drill it down to the end's detail, because then you concentrate on actually brushing up the Excel rather than brushing up the product, getting the product out. So, and that is what, what so so is to the leave,
0: resources. have an idea of where you want to execute, yes. where you want to be, but yes. leave yourself enough room to learn as exactly. you go. Exactly. You need the direction, because
1: you need the direction and you need a target, otherwise you have nothing to, to measure against, uh, yourself against but uh, leave leeway because tomorrow is going to be different. Tomorrow is going to be raining. There's a a lot of things going on tomorrow. That's why you have to be always so
0: flexible that things are not going as planned. So what I'm hearing is that the future of banking requires understanding that the interface with the customer may disappear. Absolutely. We're going to have to focus on data and a lot more, and we're going to have to get faster at executing. Yep. Leanne, is there anything that you would say that from your experience of having uh, built a startup as well on, on, on execution and how you've managed it? And a winner, of course, of open talent.
2: <laughs> I, I, I actually don't want to answer that question, not because I'm avoiding it, but I, w- I want to say something that is really plaguing me. Um, we have been speaking um, for quite some time in the financial services industry about banking the unbanked. Mm-hmm. And typically we see this in emerging markets, whether that be in LATAM or, or in China, etc. But if we cast our mind, given we have tectonic plate shifts happening in industry, um, we have industries such as the diamond. Um, the diamond industry has been around for 500 years and largely hasn't progressed too far down a digitisation method. Um, so we're seeing entire industries now becoming. The unbankable, because there isn't an uptake of this technology. And the diamond industry is $250 billion. Today it faces the largest crisis that it's ever seen in the last 150 years. Given the fact that we had so many catastrophe events globally, whether that be through the formation of Global warming, the insurance industry is now sitting on its knees. So, we will also see sectors of the world where the coastline of Miami is likely to be underwater within the next. 15 to 20 years, yet those property portfolios and the developers that have largely enabled themselves in that area will now become unbankable because of these catastrophe events. So having an awareness around that I think is a really...
0: What are the the macro shifts that are going to change the world therefore how do you build a culture and an adaptability and an execution capability that allows you to move at the speed of tomorrow?
2: So to answer your first question that I didn't want to answer, It is to understand what is the existential crisis that sits upon us either in our roles as employees, either as a CEO and running our own companies or focusing on an industry at large and to understand what that existential crisis is and to go there, to lean into that and then execute upon it is really what drives.
0: Well, I think that's the perfect note to end on. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, will you thank my panel? If you like what you heard, you can find out more at fintechinsider.com. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And on that note, this wraps up another great show. As always, if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at FinTech Insiders or on Facebook on our FinTech Insider page or even on YouTube for exclusive content. If you like what you've heard this week, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes. That's all for now. Thanks for listening.